I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. And this is Lauren Woods Limbach of the New Belgium Brewing Company. When you're with a group of brewers and we do nothing but talk about financials and, you know, like acquirements and stuff like that, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, when did that happen? Like, we used to talk about hops and, you know, where sourcing hops and this new thing and this malt and this new ingredient. And I just learned this about the cheese strain. And we didn't for a while now. And so that to me is that we're, we're focused on the wrong thing. Here are full conversation from the Blind Tiger in New York City in just a minute. But first, this episode is brought to you by Cigar City Brewing Company. The brewery has really cemented itself as one of the great wood-aged beer purveyors. So why not take your love of their talents to the next level and consider a membership to the El Catador Club? It's the brewery's barrel-aged beer club, and for an annual fee, you'll receive one 750-milliliter bottle of seven different barrel-aged beers that are released periodically. Plus, you get a discount in the brewery tasting room and at the Oscar Blues Tap Room in Boulder, Colorado. A membership also comes with access to a member-only event. Space is limited. Learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. This podcast is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insight into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer. I'm John Hall, and it's been a busy year for beer. Increased pressure to perform thanks to nearly 8,000 breweries operating in the country, a consumer base that is constantly looking for the next interesting thing, and an increased focus on local tap rooms. Lauren Limbach, the wood cellar director and blender at New Belgium, has been with the company for 22 years and has seen the changes to the industry firsthand and changes to New Belgium's ownership, including the recent pending sale to Lion Little World Beverages. We talk about that and then shift into wooden sour beer production, where she is one of the country's foremost authorities on the style. But how do you classify the style, and what separates a truly good representation from a mediocre or even poor one? She shares some guidance and how we can all be better educated when it comes to what we're tasting. We caught up at New York's Blind Tiger Ale House last week, just two weeks after Lion announced that it would be adding New Belgium to its portfolio, which includes brands like Kieran Beer and Four Roses Bourbon. She was in town to talk about the brewery's 2020 beer portfolio and even shares some release news on this show for the first time. We cover a lot of ground over pints of Pilsners and Imperial Stouts, and here's our conversation. So I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, yeah, not since two years ago. Yeah. Uh, anything new at work? Everything is new at work. Uh, <laughs> everything is new, at new. And that's the fun thing. Like, it hasn't stopped being new in years. You know, at, all the way from, it was this time last year, Eric Salazar um, uprooted and went and moved to Rochester to be with his lovely wife, Amy's family. Um, and that left us in a new, wonderful spot of trying to figure out how to live without him and how to kind of go and progress on so that the wood cellar is actually a whole department um, onto its own now at New Belgium. We um, It wasn't previously? No, it was within brewing. Uh, and that was tough because being understanding that we the wood cellar is basically a 
small brewery inside of a large brewery, but functioning under uh, in a different you know in a department, it was just never smooth. And so this transition has been really great. We've been very able to really shore a lot of things up and look at how how we truly want to make sour beer from start to finish. Um, and we actually are packaging um, the wood cellar now. We keg everything in. Uh, and we cork everything, so we're a fully functional, tiny, tiny little brewery of five. <laughs> Within the brewery. Within the larger brewery. Um, and of course, this year, uh, the going from making two to three sour beers to this past year, we made 14 different beers, and everything has been the creative flow and juices and in me about sour beer have never been better it's been amazing anything else going on uh yeah um <laughs> i don't well nothing's going on right now okay uh, but something possibly could be going on and i am very excited about the new world of possibilities and craft um and seeing of how we can transition and grow and evolve and you know like in reality yeah <laughs> so I, I know you can't discuss too much on the recent sale or the pending sale um, but I, I'm curious on the nature of because you've been with the brewery for 20, 22 plus, years yeah um, so you've seen it in private hands you've seen it now in Aesop hands and now you'll see it in whatever you know sort of structure it will be right. going forward I think there's a lot of maybe not shock but you know people are like oh but I thought the Aesop was going to be you know the savior and it's going to be you know and and I'm, I'm curious as to the benefits because you were an employee owner like the benefits of an Aesop because like there, there's still people who are, are doing that. There's still breweries that are doing mm -hmm. that. I'm sure that there's people who are thinking about the next phase. For sure. Um, and it made sense for New Belgium at the time, just mm -hmm. as I'm sure this current deal makes sense for New Belgium at the time. For but sure. What changed when you went from, you know, let's call it private ownership or founding ownership mm -hmm. uh, to ESOP? And we've been ESOP from the, the beginning. Uh, when Jeff and Kim founded, New Belgium, they had a couple of employees, and within a year or two, they gave part ownership to Brian Callahan and then to other. We had a phantom stock. Um, when I first started um, in 1997, there was a phantom stock, and you got stock shares. They were very phantom. And we had no idea what that <laughs> meant. And we were like, what do we do with these? And they're like, nothing. Yeah. Um, but you then, can't even go to the employee gift shop. No. Yeah. Um, and so then it turned into an ESOP. Um, legally, and that's and that's what I mean. Like it, when and it, yeah, yeah, and it's when been the like that the whole that time. Twenty twelve, but then no, actually that was nineteen ninety nine. Um, okay, and so but then Kim sold her shares, and then we became fully an ESOP without like a majority, you know, owner, okay. um, and that was a transition. And I think that that was a lovely and really inspirational and. Um, motivational time for us and at that moment it was exactly what needed to happen um, it made us grow and just we dug deep 
um, people really realized what it meant to be like truly a family and for all of us to be in it together and we are we owned it um, and then I think we all realized how hard it is out there and how much you need and how much we had to and so we were we've been putting everything into it for me for 22 years and the ESOP was a success I mean like probably the most amazing success story I, I could possibly think of in that there's no way in the world that Kim and Jeff ever thought that 30 years later they were the brewery A was going to be existing be you know like what would be as big as it was see that we would be doing so well or and then also in this challenging struggling trying to figure out what how in the heck craft beer is going to move to the next phase so we when that when this transition will happen the ESOP is a success in that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are about to see true retirement wealth yeah um and that is something that security in an ESOP there it doesn't exist like it's a question mark it's a a a destination and something you strive for but it's so intangible and it's scary yeah because if you are truly based you know saying like I think this is what when I I think this is where I'm gonna be when I'm old (laughs) Um, before you know and now everybody knows like I was talking to a guy one of our sales guys and he's putting a, a down payment on, on a house he it blows his mind he didn't think he was ever going to own a house in New York and he like when he told me I like I was just I teared up and you know like he and his family will truly be able to they're gonna know security like right now yeah and that's to, and that's something that Kim gave to us like she could have given it to herself and she didn't. Instead, she like shared it with you know 600 people. So it's pretty amazing. And am I scared about what's going to happen next? Yeah, but I was scared uh, last year. <laughs> you know. So what were you scared about last year? I mean, it's just the the there's so many breweries. <laughs> there's so many, and it's so convoluted and so. Um, it's so knee-jerk so like there's no path nobody's following a plan there's no long-term strategy people are you know they're getting a little grabby and nippy and that kumbaya feeling of us you know was starting to fade and you know becoming like more clicky and groups of people that enjoy each other instead of this big giant family where we are all doing it together and because That's of the external a, pressures, because yeah. of yeah, and it's it doesn't make us do our best work. Like we don't make our best beer when we're when we feel like that. That's an interesting concept for I even think just a lot of brewery owners or a lot of brewery employees. Um, you know, like last week, uh, uh, or I guess uh, this week when we're recording it, uh, the the news of Ballast Points uh, going back into private hands uh, was announced, and Colby Chandler, uh, their their longtime brewer. 
posted on uh, on Facebook that he had never seen uh, as many smiling faces just like uh, relief. that morning. Yeah, you know, but like, like <laughs> but that to me was the more the most striking thing out of it was, you know, if you're walking into work and you have a grimace on every day, or you're walking into work and you're worried about the yep. other shoe dropping, or um, and I mean, even where both of your breweries are, your company's breweries are in in North Carolina. I mean, there's no shortage of other breweries in the area. Nope. And Fort Collins, <laughs> certainly in Colorado yeah. in general, there's no shortage right. as well. And yeah, it's got to be. I think that the over the past five years, um, brewers as a whole have been unfocused. Um, and I, I don't think that people know how much anxiety that they're holding inside of them until you actually breathe out. In this act, I, I, I feel like I've been holding my breath for a while now, and I, I see, I have hope. I, I see, I see a path. I see the line, and I know, and and I can, I can make beer now. Did you <laughs> say the lion or the line? The line. Okay. Like I see the line. Okay. I know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, and and that is just to go back and make beer. When you say losing focus, I'm curious about that because or brewers haven't been focused. Can can you point to something that? Well, I think that when that. you're when you're with a group of brewers and we do nothing but talk about financials and you know like acquirements and stuff like that, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, when did that happen? Like, we used to talk about hops and you know where sourcing hops and this new thing and this malt and this new ingredient. And I just learned this about the yeast strain, and we didn't it, it, for a while now. And so that to me is that we're we're focused on the wrong thing we need to like bring bring it back to doing the thing that why why we truly are endearing as a as a community um because we care about our crafts and we care about what we're doing and where we're the gift that we're giving and making people pay for um (laughs) (laughs) which is also increasingly harder to do yes absolutely oh gosh uh, I'm so glad I'm not a salesman. I am. <laughs> they have the hardest job in the world right now because talk about people that aren't focused. Try to walk into a place and try to sell a beer. Yeah. And you ha- you're in line. Yeah. With 80 other <laughs> beer reps, it's daunting, and and a little like demotivating. You know. How much does what's happening in the street then filter back to what you're doing in the brew house? Um, I think that we, I mean, I'm constantly focused on the nutrient. Like, you know, I'm listening to right now, I'm joined here with Andrew Emerton, who is our specialty brand manager. And the funny thing is, like, I, that used to be, I used to do that, too. I was like, I would, you'd make the beer, you'd, sell it, you'd do all the things, and you can't do that anymore. Like, Andrew needs to be, like, he, he like, I've never seen somebody that gets so jazzed going into the off-premise and looking at beer s- shelves. But that's what he does. And then he comes back to me, and he tells me stuff. And that doesn't tell me what to make, doesn't tell me what to do, but just tells me, like, what's out there and what he's seeing. And... Then he knows, like, he's like, you remember when you were talking about that one thing? Let's do that. You know, like, what about if we did this? And that is, that's the way that the world is now. But before, we just, 
did whatever like what it was about us like the brewers and what we wanted to make and that's adorable and we can't do that anymore <laughs> like you can do that but you also need to be focused on like what also is keeping the you know the lights on and yeah. driving the new thing but also being aware of other people and not just your own ego and that's sort of, <laughs> I, that's got to be frustrating though right because for so long you were able to really control the conversation or it was yeah. steer the conversation beer wise where you hoped it would go well the 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 most amazing thing about my job at New Belgium is I still can okay um, like if you talk to our R&D brewers Cody Rife and you know like Ross and Christian our brewmaster like they they have to think about you know these big volume beers and I don't yeah I can still do any like I mean we went to uh, we were at Brook- Brooklyn Cura last night mm-hmm. the sake place and I, I we went so deep trying to figure out what you can do, how you can do, like, what is a collaboration between sake and beer, truly, without just, like, oh, I put Koji yeast in sake. Like, look at me, I made a beer. Right. Um, but I still can get so out there. Is there a market for that, though, still? Oh, gosh, yeah. You think so? Oh, yeah. And okay. I think that the fun part is there is a market, but it's not the same. It's not, like, when, in 2017, when we moved... From Lawfully, you know, we Lawfully started Cork and Cage, moved up to the big line. The I, at the bombers with uh, the bombers. I at the heyday yeah. of that, I made eighteen hundred hectoliters. I blended the, this mega blend, bottled eighteen hundred hectoliters of Lawfully, one brand, and people. And that is, and now people are like, I just I, I if I never have the same beer twice in my whole life, I I'm, I win. Um, I don't understand that on the other side, those, it's that experiential thing that drives us to create new and fun experiences. Like beer is now, you have, like, you can actually give the, the beer drinker more than just the liquid in the glass. So you can bring them the whole story of like the ideation, like conception, what, where did this crazy beer come up with? Because that's social media. Yeah. I am not on any of it. It blows my mind, but people just crave it and they so, want to know. So I, let me rephrase my question because I didn't ask it in, in, in an elegant way. And this is the, my rephrase is going to come off as rude and I don't, I don't mean it to be that <laughs> way. Wait. But what, what I'm saying, do, do, do people, you know, still care? Obviously, like the rare or, you know, uh, the, the new things like people go nuts for that kind of thing. I think it's a harder sell or at least it seems like it's been a harder sell. For the larger breweries, Goose Island still gets some play off of Bourbon right. County Stout, but like when Sam Adams does something new, or right. like it's, I, it's always like, oh, they're just trying to, you know, be one of the young kids, or they're trying to yeah, chase something. Yeah, and we are the to, old kid. And I think yeah. you know, one great so that, thing. So that, that was my rude yeah. question of no, we. Are, you know, I mean, we're like, you know, we make. What do you know, old guys? Yeah, but I think that the one thing is there a lot of I being like. Being uh, like having the wood cellar at New Belgium started in 1998. Um, now, it, now that every single brewery has a wood cellar, um, they still the brewers still get that that they have had one for four months. Yeah, 
and we've had and what like the what that means and nobody is asking anybody to kiss anybody's shoes or any like or bow down or have reverence but it that's experience you know like making sour beer making wood age beers isn't an overnight thing like you need to know i mean it is a there's some brewers who would disagree (laughs) yes Uh, you know they would be wrong like literally an (laughs) overnight beer oh yeah we did this yesterday Um, here it is in a can for you to bring home and i'm like do it twice then i'll be impressed (laughs) (laughs) uh but i think that you're you're right there isn't there is like what's new what's flashy what's cool yeah um who's cool instead of like the beer for sure it's who's cool and we struggle you know like we definitely went into this kind of slump of it was like that you know making these big blends and really not it was on autopilot for a little bit yeah and andrew like again he has pushed myself and the wood cellar in new belgium back we're like get get off of your butts and get back to work and so we've been doing such crazy unbelievable things i never thought a, I could do, B, that we would do, and see that so many people would be, like, really excited. And I think the brewers give us permission, because even the coolest of brewers yeah. still, like, New Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> More with Lauren Limbach of New Belgium Brewing Company coming up, but first, this episode is sponsored by Cigar City Brewing. Cigar City's El Catador Club was founded in 2013 to foster a community of beer lovers that appreciate their most ambitious and interesting brewing projects. After paying the membership fee, you'll have a chance to get seven special 750-milliliter bottles of barrel-aged beer when they are released. Be the envy of your beer friends and give your seller something special. Learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. And now back to a conversation that shifts to wood and sour beer with Lauren Limbach of New Belgium Brewing Company, recorded in early December at the Blind Tiger Alehouse in New York City. What are some of the things that you thought you wouldn't be able to do and that you're now doing? Like, what are you jazzed about as we're going into a new year? Uh, well, I mean, we've been doing these big, I mean, fruit beer, re-fermentation sours aren't a new thing, but being, like... Doing ferment refermentations in seventy hectoliter fooders, where you're, you know, pu- pu- like pumping in twenty drums of raspberry puree, and you're just seeing this amazing and like really pushing the boundaries of what the you know what a fooder can do, what the barrel can do, um, and really what it what the liquid can taste like at the end has been incredible like I've I've been experimenting and given the permission to for it not to work okay um, and but it, when it does it it's pretty great All right, I'm gonna jump ahead because this is one of those things that I wanted to, to sort of uh, cover with you is well first of all how do you describe or how do you define what a sour is. Yeah. Like, cause, cause you, you, you've used the word a bunch of times now. Sour and, beer. Yeah. Um, well, so the funny part is when when I, say, when I say the word sour beer, I'm only talking about the beers that, that I make. So sure. It's, so I'm saying wood-aged uh, lactic fermentation that ends up being down the road. It, like, it, But it, for me, it's wood-aged. It's... Um, 
it's got to be what it is. A long process. Yeah, then yes. that's what it is for me. Okay. Um, and I believe that that's. It's just. Yeah, I'm not asking you to do yeah, the yeah. industry definition. No, 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 I know you I were part of that guild a couple years ago that tried to. Yeah. Talk about it, and yeah, we all know that you know. It's so it's, hard. It's, it's <laughs> Jello on the wall. It's it, it's yeah. just so hard, and so I think that for uh, like the better thing to do is like. I mean, it's all the things that we make are sour beer. I just is because our wood cellar is infected with so much P- uh, PDO, lacto, Britannomyces. We couldn't make a clean beer to save our lives in there. So everything. Have you tried? Um, uh, unfortunately, our pilot brewery is in the middle of the wood cellar. So when like Ross makes a super amazing imperial Russian imperial stout and puts it into a bourbon barrel. By the time that it's done, we're like, I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you just made a Belgian style, yeah, Russian imperial style in a bourbon barrel. You know, it's got a little bit of bread in it, so um, it's definitely. But that God help you if you try to make a lager or something in there. It's just you can't do yeah. it. We tried. <laughs> I mean, we we talk about it and we actually we have Asheville. I'm like, we could, they could buy the barrels, we could send the beer, and then they could age it there. But that's would be as close as we could get. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, and I'm, again, I'm not asking you to define it for the industry, but it, it's so interesting to me that, like, it's become a catch-all term, but it yeah. really is, in, in, in sort, it's almost like a DNA thing, where we all have similar DNA, because we're all humans, but everybody has their own, yep. you know, their own code, a, a, as it were. And, and so, I, yeah. yeah. I think that the... Like, are there characteristics, like, if somebody was to line up sour wood-aged beer... Is there are there characteristics that you think are New Belgium specific that people could tease out or that you hope people could tease out or Yeah, I think that when you're doing wood age sour beers at New Belgium, like it has to be complex. There must be layers. It's not, you know, there there's a start, there's a very long and deep middle, and then there's a finish and it like you'll be able to tell because you when you're describing it it takes a long time yeah it's not you won't it's not a three-word thing and you are gonna you'll even like by the end of the glass like you'll still be talking because you're pulling more things out different things are expressing themselves due to um, the carbonation levels or the warmth uh, that's happening the actually you know saturation or um, new experiences and so for me um, I think that when when we did try to have the conversation about sour, we didn't have an answer for that. In that, if you try to define something, you box yourself in. Yeah. And nobody was willing to do that. Like so, we it was like saying, how are we going to distinguish this? And so for us, what we do is we just try to write as much stuff on a label. Um, God forbid if you get a draft pour off of it, you may just be, it's going to be a mystery. But for us, it's, it, it would be so stifling to try to, you know, this, this sub style, this sub style, you would end up having 800 categories, eight subcategories. And what good well, we would that, that be? But we have that with IPA right now. Yeah. And then... At the end of the day, does anybody really know? I mean, like, it's just an IPA. I mean, it can be a new hazy. As, all these, as like, defined by hops. Yeah, you're just like, what? what is the whole point? I mean, what are you trying? This is 
It has a distinctly bitter character, whether it be high or low, and the majority of the flavor is coming from one ingredient. When you started at the brewery and when the, the Wooden Sour program started there, what did it start with? Like, what, what, what equipment-wise did you all do? Like, I know we there's the thing, barrel We had seven one. barrels. Yeah. That was all the equipment. Um, and some PVC tubing to take samples out of the top. And, um, it, it was literally seven barrels. So one thing that I always, it took me years and years and years later to realize when we first started the barrel program, you know, so we used old cherry ale, Abbey, whatever the beer, we had a hundred hectoliter brew house and we had, you know, 14 hectoliters worth of volume that we needed to fill. So nobody was going to brew to fill the barrels that wasn't what we were doing so we used whatever we had um and then if you if you think about this and i should actually just ask peter this um because yeah Yeah. it's my it's now um my tale because the first beer that he came out with our belgian brewmaster the first beer that was his was 1554 yeah the black lager the and has that beer evolved recently no i guess my point is like it is it's a lot okay uh yeah it's i think it's like 0.8 points of abv higher or something like that 1554 like a point yeah 6.2 it was like five point whatever but i but i guess my point was is that why would a, a belgian brewmaster brew a black lager to fill the barrels he was making lawfully that's how that was born. I mean, that's, kind of yeah, fun. that's, that's the base beer of La Folie is a, as a black lager. Even still to this day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, a black lager yeah. or it's a dark, uh, dark lager. It's not exactly 1554, but I actually had the recipe of 1554 and Oscar base beer. They're the same. I mean, there's like a little tricky thing here and a little tricky thing. And I actually, I sat down with our brewmaster the other day and I was like, look at these things. They're, it's still the same. Even though we have touched it a million times, we almost came full circle all the way back to this thing. But see, that sort of speaks to the DNA that I'm talking about yeah. with, with, with some of these things. So, like, it's it, it's just sort of, it seems to be a way of, that's how the brewery is putting their stamp on what you define as sour and, and wild and wood. And meaning? Well, just, I mean, if you keep, I don't know if this, I don't even know if I'm, if, if I'm putting it together in my head in the right way, but it, it just, it strikes me of, you started in one place and you can kind of stray far away. Oh, yeah. But then you keep, it seemingly keep coming back to, yep. you know, what works for. The for, wood. For, yeah, well, well yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but for the brewery, for the wood, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I mean, ultimately, it tastes good to you guys when you're putting it out right. and that's what you want the representation to right. be. You always like when you're making when you're making a sour beer, you know, this sometimes it's like a two year process. So you have to start off with this flavor profile. The finish has got to be so deep like ingrained in your head, it's in your mind's eye yeah. that you would know it. You know it when you taste it. And so that's the thing. Lawfully has always just been, this is, sounds silly, but it's like a feeling more than it is anything else. Like I know it exactly when I taste the fooder. I know the second that I, t- when I taste it, I'm like, yep, 
there it is. And All right, so I, I got to unpack this with you because th- this is one of the things that drives me nuts about uh, long-aged wood beer or wild or, or you know spontaneous or, or anything that sort of fits into that general those mm-hmm. general categories where there are no real guidelines, where there are no real rules, and right. you have to wait for the brewer to say, "Let's give it six more months," or "It's ready this second, mm-hmm. or "Shit, we missed our our yeah. opportunity, and now there's we got to dump it." Like there, there, there's all these different things, and I'm always curious about the personal relationship that brewers have with these beers and when you know the time is right because it, it, it just it strikes me as an intangible like grabbing smoke like it, it yeah it's you there are intangibles there are actually very tangible things and very sensory like thing, a lot of the things are just sensory um, but we also I personally have finger like I have like a it indicators and I know if I go do run we run analytics um, I understand things by gravity and ABV sure and titratable acidity sure but there are indicators in esters and organic acids obviously but that I I know I can tell you exactly where if I just look at numbers I can tell you where the barrel is kind of in age and time and then when you go to taste it that's you know and I do it the other way around I always taste First, and then look at numbers, um, and then if, see if I the numbers agree with what I'm saying. And that's mainly for stability, not for flavor. Like you, um, the difficult just to kind of make it even more difficult thing is not only does the beer need to taste great, but it has to be stable. And that which is a hilarious thing to think of: this incredibly alive wild beer is about to go into a bottle with more yeast and sugar yeah. and. And maybe for somebody who doesn't taste it for like eight years, like it can't explode. (laughs) You know, it it can't, it can't turn to vinegar. It can't, you know, so that's so much. So you're two years from now, two years in the before package and maybe 10 years after. That's daunting. (laughs) So how did you get to the point where you made sure it wasn't exploding and that you still have faith in what rolls out the door uh that's i mean it's you i i know i can tell i mean you can tell it's stable you can tell that the gravity's not dropping anymore you can tell it abb stable the gravity's not dropping you're not making any more organic acids and the esters will go the esters actual the numbers will go down the aroma the flavor um they go away and that's when your bread is denatured that's no longer trying to put the organic acids and alcohols back together yeah um and that's a great indicator that it's it's going to take a nap (laughs) the long hopefully the long nap the long nap (laughs) um and then you package it and pray someone doesn't you know take it out of their garage and open it and look while they're looking at it you know (laughs) But, but it still happens are you guys pasteurizing no Nothing. Uh, is that so, a conversation you had at some point? In um, yeah, Andrew told me we weren't anymore. <laughs> um, so it was like we went to this small batch. So we went from, you know, these giant colossal um, blends to 20 hectoliter uh, lawfully runs. And at that point, um, we had the opportunity to go back to cork and cage yeah. we had the opportunity to do this lot to make it live again and we and so we're doing that with kegging now we uh, like we are hand kegging today 
in the wood cellar we do everything like we have all of us will you know for a while take a turn we have two amazing interns right now oh my god jack and hayden we love them so much and they uh are wonderful and they give us the opportunity to be able to really put a lot more manpower because it's laborious work you know there's new belgium you look at the shiny things over here with all the automation and then you go into the wood cellar and there is none absolutely none and <laughs> there's just a lot of um uh vertebrae twisting uh <laughs> knee breaking and, and and they and we do it with a smile because the you can tell you know that you, you can, can tell what i when i drink la Folie now like had it last night we were un, uncorked um or you go to a bar knowing that it's just the flavor is so amazing uh it's the depth is there you can taste what, what, the vibrancy what are, what, well i mean go a little bit deeper than that than just you know amazing and vibrant like what I, like what, what how is it presenting it's the 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 dark fruits those bright 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 fruits are incredible uh, um I actually was talk like Garrett Oliver was at the event last night and he told me he's like that's the best lawfully I've had in forever and you know he kind of said the same thing he was like it's so much more you know like the the fruits are right there the plum skins the apple the you know you have this almond like f flavor this um, cherry almond flavor that's there and those are all the things that I would taste on the blend and then when you picked it up on the shelf, hot shelf in a bomber, a year later, they're gone. Yeah. It's, they're so dull, they're, the, the shine is so polished off of them. And so the, um, this is just, you can taste, you know, like you can actually taste like clove and cinnamon and uh, like cocoa and all these notes that I guess I, I, I took for granted. Um, and then, but tasting them again as if, I blended it yesterday. Yeah, is so amazing. Starting with seven barrels, uh, how much wood do y'all have now? We have sixty-five fooders, probably like about two hundred small barrels. Uh, so about seventy-five hundred hectoliters and liquid. It's a lot. How often are you <laughs> turning this? Uh, it depends on like. So we have like uh, this adorable fifteen hectoliter egg. That's about every four months. And then we have 220 hectoliters. Those are almost two years. Uh, and everywhere in between, a lot of 100 hectoliter fooders. Those are anywhere from nine to 12 months. Um, but they, and it really depends on where in the wood cellar they are. The ones that are in phase two in the very back, they're a little slower. The ones that are kind of near the door um, are faster. The one that's right under the heater <laughs> is even faster. <laughs> Um, so where, I guess I'm curious on the evolution of the quote unquote style and sort of the evolution of the way that you've been approaching sour beers. So when you first started off, uh, you know, it was one thing and then it's evolved and how, how would you, how would you categorize, categorize like the last decade of what you saw your sour beers evolving into and then changing from there and I think that what our the, the evolution is 
you know, from an homage to like a, an original idea. You know, so this is, it's just, it, you know, you always start, you know, nobody ever started just playing Coltrane. I mean, like Coltrane started with the, you know, with the classics too. Everybody's got to have a foundation. Yeah. And once you perfect that, if you can, I don't know if that exists, but once you know that you can do something, you can do it again and again. Making Lawfully again and again and again and again gave me such skill at blending, gave me an understanding of what is ready, what is, you know, what's true to brand, whatever that means. <laughs> um, and then from then, when you feel very confident, then you try to put your own signature on it and yeah. figure out who you are, what your style is, and how you want the world to think about that yeah. uh, and what inspires you and how to inspire somebody else where do you want to see it go uh well right now i am i i want everyone to keep being as creative as possible but i think that i would like for everybody to take a a little step back maybe and i i hope that everybody understands that everybody has to go through that same cycle like everybody has to pay the dues everybody's got to try to learn and then make and that's you can't just sprint on these things and so i i hope that we all kind of circle back and go back to quality go back to like really truly being proud of everything that you're putting out out there and if you're unsure don't do it (laughs) what's interesting though is that there are brewers it's so many out there these days and there's new people who get in uh, into it and and i've experienced this firsthand who who don't actually know that their stuff is like they they think that they're doing a good job they think that if it's you know bracing or you know (laughs) if they think that if it's you know peel the the stripping off your teeth right that they've somehow accomplished something and there's not a ton of humility that right. I'm seeing with this. And, you know, I make really sour sours. Like, that. sometimes I, like, I actually, we have a beer called L'Amour and Cage. It's a golden gooseberry sour. Golden gooseberries are wicked sour. And I made a sour beer with wicked sour fruit. I mean, that was intentional. I don't do it all the time. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not out there <laughs> to do that. I just really wanted to taste a, that fruit in, in there. But I think that... Um, I mean, I think that people have to be more vocal, I guess, about that, and um, but not in a jerky way. Um, I think a long time ago, we all there was so much camaraderie and so much um, like balance checks and balances we did for each other. Yeah, and it was allowed. And I now and now I'm afraid. Like I, w- I am afraid to offend people. Um, I don't want them to think I'm a jerk. And so sometimes I, I'm silent when I should say something. Um, and sometimes people just aren't really open to hear it. So it's a, it's a little bit more dangerous um, to try to give constructive criticism or just dump a beer down the drain yeah. and not drink it instead of just suffering, you know, crying, just sitting there and just being like, when is this going to end? <laughs> um, how often are you, do you find you're dumping batches these days? Uh, 
we I have I dumped one fooder in this past year, and that was we ended up deconstructing the whole fooder. It was it it was done, um, and it just leaked and leaked and leaked. And we just I mean our wood cellar guys, like Bill and Chris and Dave and Ted, are unbelievable at repairing fooders. And sometimes you guys got to know when to fold them. And that when it turned just went to go taste it i tasted it and a month later i tasted it it was acetic and i was i you know i was done with that fooder and it just lost um yeah. it just we yeah we we lost yeah. <laughs> we could not fix it anymore but i think that um normally it doesn't happen because i'm watching them so closely um i'm monitoring them and they know they know what to do like if you just all we do is just keep them happy hydrated and at the temperature they like and they'll they do their their job What's an area that you want to explore, uh, ingredient-wise, uh, concept-wise? Um, I've been maybe over, overly doing the honey thing uh, lately. I was, <laughs> um, I love uh, different fermentable sugars are so much fun and sour beer doing refermentations with different sugars, fruit, um, honey, uh, it, anything like that just is wildly interesting to me to watch what happens next. Um, I mean, I, I'm on fire right now about sake <laughs> from last night. Yeah, My brain is like reeling. I can't, I'm like, cannot stop thinking about all the different possibilities of just adding one more layer as if we needed to. <laughs> Are there, I know on the clean side of the brewery, they've been experimenting with hops and thinking about CBD and uh, yeah. THC and everything going forward. Is there... Anything with cannabis and sour beers that you think can be? I a think marriage? those are t- such mutually exclusive. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am not. Uh, I'm a control freak uh, by nature, and I, I mean, I'm not. I'm I not want trying my, to get the government to come I down. I want my alcohol to do anything, one thing, yeah. and I want my weed to do the other thing. And I don't. I, I can't even imagine like like the interactions are going to be interesting. Sure. Um, and I just, I don't. I mean, it's it's I, uh, purely a hypothetical. Yeah, like, I think no, that. Yeah, I think I don't that need the every TTB coming in. Yeah. Yeah, I I could not be any less interested in something. <laughs> um, you were mentioning Andrew is coming at you with all these ideas, and here's what's on the shelves and everything. So I imagine the idea of a fooder aged hard seltzer has come up at some point. Uh, we we make up hilarious, like impossible names. For you know, whatever hard coffee, sour seltzer, and are you going to start putting all that into fooders? Um, nope. Uh, we. That's my, not your 2020 resolution. That is not is my 2020. I, my 2020 fermented re- resolution is try not to make every sour a nitro sour because it's so fun. I love I'm, I love nitro sours. They're absolutely. To I, me can't tell if you, I can't, I can't I tell if you're being sarcastic or not. We, the first two... Are you being serious? Yep. Um, you're being serious about nitro sours? Nitro sours. Is this a thing? This, what, I, we've been doing it for like 10 years, but I now have been... Where? At the, at the brewery? Yep. I've been making a coffee uh, a coffee dark sour on nitro for about 10 years. Okay. Uh, Oscar-worthy coffee. And we are actually packaging it. Um, we packaged it yesterday, um, but we added cocoa, husks and nibs, uh, whole bean coffee into um and then blended that with or extracted that in the sour oscar the lawfully um, dark sour uh we then pushed as much nitrogen as humanly 
not even maybe more um, into the tank uh, got as cold as we possibly can and we've been pouring that like kegging is easy that's the easy part but we corked it yesterday as well too really um, and Ted you Peterson cor- you corked a nitro yeah we have a nitro drip so the, what on our cork line we have a nitrogen drip um, yeah. that displaces the headspace so therefore if something is like you have something that's charged with nitrogen the liquid instead of co2 if you didn't put the nitrogen drip on the top the headspace would invert and it would be flat okay um but that one system that we already had in place for um oxidation anti-oxidation properties ended up being this that was the key that we can now keep the nitrogen in solution and when you pour this 750 it cascades. Really? I have it. I have it on my. I'll show you. I'll show you the, the right. video. To, <laughs> it's kind of the coolest thing. Um, and it's just this new layer, especially with the coffee, sour coffee. It looks like crema on the top. When you're, it's like this just mind mess. Like you go look at it. You looks like coffee. You smell it. Smells like coffee. And then, you know, it's. I'm always. I love the sensory. I'm super um, intrigued by this. Now. Yep. We're doing the same thing, the La Folie Grand Reserve. It's the third year. This year will be the, 2020 will be the third year that we have packaged that on Nitro as well, too. Huh. I need to start paying more attention to what you guys are doing. Uh, so I guess much me stuff. and everybody else, right? So it's, much stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, this year, the La Folie, am I allowed to say what the La Folie Grand Reserve is? Okay. 2020 La Folie Grand Reserve is coming out Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's, um, so we did, uh, we brewed with honey. Wait, are you breaking news right now? Is oh, yeah, this, I guess uh, so. Yeah. Wow. Beer releases. I'm going to put the fancy music and the uh, exclusive <laughs> just into the newsroom. Yeah. Here's the 85th million <laughs> new release this week. Um, so, Lovely Grand Reserve is, we did a honey base for the, instead of like the, the base beer is brewed with this honey that we put in our honey orange triple. And it actually is, is um, wild live, um, wild bees. Um, African honey, and you can taste it in the end product, which is really absolutely mind blowing. That's it's, that's hard to accomplish. It's called honey. African yeah. Bronze, and it's this unbelievable product. And so we made the base beer, we acidified that beer in our original um, barrels. Um, so there's like 30 of them, and then we uh, we're finishing it with saffron and rose petals, yeah. and then it'll be on nitro. Cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> So it's a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and Valentine's Day, you said? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to. Um, what else are you excited about for next year? Uh, have I mentioned sake? <laughs> <laughs> um, do, you, do you think that there is I, like runway there? I mean, it, it seems like I mean, it's the, always been like it's, there's fans and there's people who, you know, are on the fringes with it. But, like, it... it I, I, I don't know if I've ever like. I, I don't know if I can envision it going mainstream. Um, it's or is that is that okay? It'll be, a, it'll be a one-off. We might you know you could play with it here, play with it there. But I just think that the when sometimes your brain like speaking with Brandon last night. He's the sake maker, the one of the owners of Cura. It was listening to him talk about the process, how wildly excited he was. It made. Like it really spoke to me, and the two of us nerded out so ridiculously last night. And we're we have this piece of paper. And there's like arrows, and he did the whole diagram of the process. And we were like, right here, this is where you take it out, and then you put it here, and then we prop it up, and then we put it in a barrel. And so there's something. 
I know there's something, and I don't want to just use koji and sake used to make a beer. Like yeah. that's not exciting at all. But how can you find not step all over these beautiful, nuanced flavors of sake and make something new and original? I mean, at least it makes my brain work again. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep me posted on that. I will. Thanks for sitting down. This was oh, a lot of fun. Thanks. It's so great to see you. you Always. Too. You too. That's Lauren Limbach of New Belgium Brewing Company. Be on the lookout for the beers she mentioned, especially that La Folie. My special thanks to Blind Tiger Alehouse for accommodating us on a busy Friday afternoon and for letting us record. There's a lot of great beer bars in New York, but if you're coming to town and love beer, the Tiger has to be at the very top of your list. Before we go, I want to thank everyone who has liked and subscribed to the shows and left reviews. It's helping new people find the show each day. And thanks also to everyone who has reached out via email with suggestions on the show. I'm always trying to make it better. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and you can reach me at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Nate Schweber does our music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, Andy Crouch is my partner in news, and if you want to learn more about advertising, you can reach Ryan Newhouse at Ryan at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, this episode was sponsored by Cigar City Brewing. Why not treat yourself to a membership in their El Catador Club? Cigar City created this limited member group back in 2013 for barrel-aged beers. You know they are first and foremost vigilant about quality and inventiveness, so each of the seven bottles you'll get as a member is going to be a world-class beer. In addition to the beer, you also get discounts at Cigar City's Tasting Room in Tampa and at the Oscar Blues Brewery in Boulder, plus an invitation to special events. See for yourself what all the fuss is about and get yourself a membership to the El Catador Club. Learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. This podcast is produced by Beer Edge, the newsletter for beer professionals. A subscription to Beer Edge provides readers with smart and critical insights into the business and culture of beer. We talk directly to the players making an impact and report stories our audience has not heard before. The team at Beer Edge offers up a fresh and unfiltered look at the world of beer. Subscribe at BeerEdge.com. And that's it. That's the show. I'm John Hall. I'll be back next week to drink beer and think beer. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join us then. Cheers. Cheers.